You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Guidepost. Tony here. Uh, boy, we're excited about this one. Really cool stuff. Um, we're going to talk about Albies, what what happened with our Albie uh, telemetry tagging in 2023. Uh, can't thank, you know, all of our listeners enough and all of our supporters. This has really been a grassroots effort. Um, you know, we want, there is essentially no science on Albies. So we are subsidizing that science we're working with great people across the board we're learning a ton about these fish and we are just thrilled with the preliminary results of 2023 i just want to i'm going to put a disclaimer here um for the science and the science community you know this is ongoing research we have plans for 2024 nothing's definitive yet but look at this as um you know, uncharted territory, because there is so much little, there's so little information on false albacore. So we're learning as we go. We're certainly seeing trends. Um, but, you know, this is far from over. So with all those disclaimers out of the way, thank you all for listening to the latest that this episode of the guidepost. And I am thrilled that uh, we have a representative, a New England Aquarium, uh, associate scientist Ed Kim, who is who is basically in the last two years turned into Mr. Albie. We had him on last go around. Ed, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Tony, for having me. Yeah, like Tony said, my name is Ed Kim. I am with the New England Aquarium. I've been there for about past year and a half now and started this Albie project in 2022. Uh, just a little background. Uh, for those of you who may not know, the New England Aquarium isn't just the aquarium up in Boston. We also have a research center called the Anderson, Anderson Cabot Center for Ocean Life, and they deal with not just fish. We also research turtles, whales, climate, sustainability, policy, things like that. So pretty broad reaching. Visit the website if you want to go check out more of it. But yeah, it's, uh, that's my background. Yeah, and definitely if you're, if you're in the area, go to the... Uh go to the aquarium, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, it's really nice to know that there's a team of scientists, obviously, you know, good friends with uh, Jeff Kneebone, who you work with up there. Hi, Jeff, he couldn't make it on the podcast. Um, here's a little tidbit that I found out about Ed, because sometimes you work with these scientists, and you're like, wow, this isn't a real person. Great. It's just some scientist. So Ed, uh, Ed spent the better part of his youth working at his parents' dry cleaners back in the back <laughs> where it's like 130 degrees. And, you know, uh, I spent the better part of my youth with a shovel in my hand um, doing God knows what. So it's always nice, you know, when you when you get to talking to these folks and you really you really understand them as a person and who they are. Ed's Ed's one of the good guys. Ed's Ed's just a regular dude. 
who had the same upbringing. I think that a lot of us did, you know, kind of came, come from a family that had a little family business. And when you were born into that family, you worked for that business uh, and represented the family and were held to very high standards in every interaction with that I have with Ed. Um, I am reminded of that. These are the people that I love to be around because uh, they're normal folks who kind of grew up in maybe a little bit of a strict and rough and tumble and a high expectation environment. And God love him. You know, he went to school for this stuff and he loves fish and he loves fishing. And that's why he does all this. So I'm done babbling. Just wanted to kind of put you up on a pedestal as a regular guy, Ed. Um, but, you know, I guess when we came to y'all a couple years ago and started working all this out, you know, there were a lot of questions about Albies and if this was kind of like a feasible research project. And I feel like we've come a long way since then. And and I think maybe the mood's changed and, and y'all are even excited on working on it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when we first started this, we didn't know if it was going to be possible. We put 63 tags out that first year. And going into it, we we're like, are we even going to be able to tag 63 of these? Like, are we going to be able to catch 63 to begin with? How many of them are going to be taggable? Uh, are we going to be even detect them out inside our array or outside of our array? You know, it's definitely come a long way since then. Going into 2023, we came in with 97 tags and we were pumped and ready to go, man. So, yeah, I'll tell you what, with 97 tags, I was nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs because that's about 150% of what we did in the first year. And, you know, let's face it, we don't know enough about Albies to say, yeah, they're going to be here on this day. And all I can say is thank God that we got some really good guides who know who've been fishing that area a long time and know where the Albies are and put y'all on them. I mean, you, you get, you're the, you're the fortunate individual that gets to fish on all these trips. You know what I mean? Or most of them or some of them like what it, our, our guides are pretty damn good. Aren't they? Ed? Oh yeah. I mean, just to test this out when we went in the first part of the season in 2022, I think we were getting like a fish or two for the first part of it. And that's when I first realized how finicky these things are. And how good of a guide you really need to be able to consistently catch them, much less deploy 50, 60 plus tags, you know? And there are days when you can catch them pretty consistently and steadily, but those days are few and far between. And you're relying a lot more on those days when you're able to pick it, like, you know, five, six, seven of them across a morning, afternoon fishing. It's tough, but the guides know what they're doing and they have the bite dialed in more often than not. Oh yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough awesome things. Um, awesome things about our guides and, and especially our guides up there. Uh, they just, you know, they know their craft. Um, and, and we, we have a super high comfort level putting y'all on their boats and super high comfort level. Um, knowing that, I mean, these tags are not cheap. None of this is cheap. And, and, you know, when push comes to shove, it's a job and we have to make sure that they're deployed. Uh, and whew, I was nervous with the, uh, with pushing close to a hundred tags this year and somehow we did it. And it was, it was the bottom of the ninth, man. I remember that conversation between me and you, it was those last couple tags. We squeaked them out, right? Oh yeah. I mean, we were having banner days right before that. and. 
as I'm sure most people who have ever fished for Albies knows, they can switch off in an instant. <laughs> and then there are some days, I think, where we're getting one or two fish, and that was better than almost all of the boats out there. Again, another testament to the guides. But yeah, we got it done just in the nick of time. Oof. Man, Oz. I felt like uh, I felt like somebody put me in a pillowcase and beat me against a wall on that last day, man. I just wanted that text from you that was like done. I remember Jamie called me. Uh, Jamie Boyle uh, ran y'all out on the last trip, and he's like done. And man, that was one of my favorite texts of the year. So, for people, you know, Ed, I think it I think it serves our listeners if you just kind of explain what a telemetry tag is and what we hope to learn and how it enables us to follow the movements of these fish. Yep. So basically from the bottom up, uh, you have two things that go into acoustic telemetry. You have the transmitter or the tag itself, and then you also have the acoustic receiver. Uh, that tag, uh, when we put it in or on a fish, it's constantly um, periodically giving out these little pings of sound that's encoded with the info of the tag itself. So if we put that tag on a fish, it'll say this is tag number XYZ or one, two, three. If that fish swims by a receiver that we have there and that ping goes out, then that receiver logs that info and says that particular fish was there at that particular point in time. Uh, and so I've said this before and other people on my team have said this too. The best analogy is like your phone and a phone tower. So you go out driving and your phone is also constantly giving out these pings with your own information on it. And whenever you get close enough to a phone tower, uh, it's saying that you're in that general area at that moment in time. And so we have all these phone towers or receivers spread out across Nantucket Sound. Other people also have them all across the East Coast for their own fish. And whenever fish swim by these receivers, uh, we know at, that, at those exact coordinates that that fish was there. And so at the end of the season, when we go to haul an array of these receivers that we set out in our study area, we can then see where that fish has been relative to all of those uh, receivers that we put out. And I get asked this question a lot too. Can you see this data real time? No, you cannot. Once we haul it is when we get uh, to see that data, but it's not like shark, uh, shark tracking with white sharks where you can see uh, shark Jemima went to Bermuda in December, you know? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm just glad that we know which way they're going. So um, we pick up new listeners on this podcast every day. So now we know what a telemetry tag is. And basically your job on the boat is the fish gets landed. Fish gets put into a, a, a homemade tuna tube where water's pumped around. Y'all make a little incision. You get all the information from the fish, its length, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you pop that tag in, you put a couple of sutures and boom, drop it right back in the water and it's off to the races as quickly as possible. So that first year, Ed, that we did it, um, that receiver array that you mentioned, they do their data dumps they share all that information in December. So last December, not a month ago, but a year and a month ago, we got that first dump of data 
can you tell us kind of like when you started picking through that, how, how'd that make you feel as a guy who's, you know, sticking these things in the fish and wondering all these questions, like, do they live? Do they, where do they go? And then all of a sudden we got that data dump and it painted, painted quite the picture, right? Yeah. I mean, some people, you said this yourself too. Some people came into this saying, you're not going to detect any because, you know, a lot of them could be dying from the way people handle them. And I also too was like, you know, maybe they'll just swim in or out of the array. They'll swim around our receivers because I mean, we have a fair number of receivers in the sound, but there's still miles in between some of them. And so last year we put out 63 and in December, when we actually got around to looking at that data and saw that we detected, I think it was 57 of those tags. We were like, holy moly, this thing, this thing could actually work. And since then, we've detected, I think, two more tags on top of that. So 59 out of 63. That, that's a pretty good success rate, in my opinion. What did you, what did you think when you saw the movements? You know, how far they were going and how fast they were getting there? I mean, just in Nantucket Sound itself, this is something that we've seen in uh, 2022 and 2023, they're zooming around everywhere. If you look at the GIF, that's, I think it's from the blog, the second blog from July or August, 2023, you'll be able to, or no, it was the fir very first blog that we put out. You'll be able to see, and also Tony put a note on here, depending. Yeah. If you look at that blog, uh, on our website, it's one of two, you'll be able to see the GIF from 2022 they're zooming around everywhere in there you know going back and forth up and down uh, we don't know yet if you know they're exiting and coming back into the sound but that's something we're hoping to look to with other arrays around in the area uh, and then on top of that i mean the first batch of data that we got back from uh, other people's arrays because we're part of a data sharing network up and down the east coast I and mean, we found out that they went to north carolina and then all the way down to key west and that that's not a a small amount of distance as any of us here in the States knows. So here, here we are in 2023. We're scheduling all of these trips. We've got 90 something of these tags to put out. We're praying that the Albies come back. And I remember, I guess it was sometime in like, I don't know, August. And it just ran through social media you know, like wildfire. First Albies caught Martha's Vineyard. And I was like, hallelujah, here we go. And then we started, we started with everything that we do. Um, and y'all started deploying the tags. So a couple things were going on. The first round fish that were tagged in the first round that battery life was only a year but we had some that returned to Marth to, to nantucket sound correct we did we had 11 returns to nantucket sound and a lot of those fish actually came we don't know straight from florida but based on some of the migration times uh, they were as little as 40 days so it's a pretty sure bet that they were cruising from florida all the way back to massachusetts those fish were detected in july and we got them back in august and september so they can they can definitely haul yeah crazy i mean just so so first thing those fish returned unfortunately 
because of the size of Albies and the technology that we have, we can't put, you know, some huge uh, telemetry tag in them just based on their, you know, the biology of an Albie, its body size. So the ones that we picked for the first year, those batteries lasted about a year. So when they returned, you could almost see those batteries dying on those fish, right? You kind of, that's what Jeff was telling me. Yeah. If I had to bet a lot of those 11, you know, they probably stayed into September and October. We just couldn't see it. Those battery lives, like they're slightly under a year. And so September is most likely the latest month of detection that we got could have gotten back from them. Now in 2023, we actually have batteries that last a year and about three or four months. So of the tags that we put out in 2023, those fish, when they come back to Nantucket Sound, will be able to see their entire movements should they stick around Nantucket Sound, or if they happen to go in other rays in the Northeast too. So preliminary results of this would indicate that we you know in well not we i'm not but in the north you're sharing some of your fish in the northeast with florida yep it appears that this is a connected population i mean 11 i mean based on the number of tags that we put out 63 in 2022 and we got 11 returns there's a lot of real estate for albies to cover in between here in florida and so the fact that we got 11 returns to begin with, I think is fantastic in terms of uh, coming to being able to come to some sort of conclusion that these fish span all of these states, you know? Yeah, for sure. So let's go into 2023. So, you know, God love you. Y'all deployed all those tags. Um, it was, it was touch and go there for a while, but we got the job done. And then y'all y'all pulled those receivers late fall early winter and on top of that we got that december data dump and we saw some pretty amazing things right oh yeah i mean from this past fall across our 42 receivers we got over 43,000 detections and 91 tags detected so 91 out of 97 again that's that's pretty good it's pretty similar to 57 59 of the 63 that we did last year all great stuff ed um but you know one of the things is we got the recent data dump for this december that's you know was just a couple of weeks ago and we found out a lot more about those 2022 tagged fish because i'm not going to get into the details but like basically science takes a little bit of time you're talking about sharing information from my goodness dozens of entities up and down the coast and we found out a lot more about the first round of tags in 2022 ed you want to speak about that a little bit yeah so we made a map and basically what we found out from 2022 with that batch of tags is that we had a bunch of hits in the fall up here in the Northeast. And by Northeast, I mean kind of the New England, Long Island region. And then we had a bunch of hits in North Carolina, kind of from the winter through, I would say, early spring. And then kind of in that early spring-ish period, which is the latest amount, uh, uh, which is the latest 
period of time that we had detections from, we were able to get detections from fish in Key West. So kind of three discrete regions, Northeast, North Carolina, and Florida. Now with um, the data dump that we just got, we were able to fill in a lot of those holes. So now our detections stretch from Southern Jersey all the way down to Southern Carolina, uh, South Carolina, excuse me. And we also had detections from fish stretching into July 2023, which is kind of how we were, we were able to come to that figure of these fish travel quickly from Florida to Massachusetts when they return. And one of the one of the things that I was like, ha, I was right, was in the most recent data dump. It showed that those 2022 fish were setting up in between Stewart and Jupiter. A good chunk of them were. And we just know that because we have so many guides in that region that rely, you know, an Albie in the summer for them as a day saver for a trip. And I was telling you the funny story, uh, you know, Cody called me from one of his trips and he's standing on his boat and he's got, you know, I think they were relatively novice flying saltwater fly anglers. And, uh, and, you know, an Albie is probably not the best candidate for a novice saltwater angler in the Northeast. But Cody had so many Albies under his boat, you know, in between Jupiter and Stewart that he sent me a video and he spit a piece of gum in the water and like 10 Albies swam up and one of them made his gum. Um, don't get mad, conservation community. I'm sure the Albie passed it and it's fine. But uh, but I just knew that they were going to when when we got the first data dump, I was highly questioning the fact that we didn't get any returns in that general Treasure Coast region of Florida, because it is such there is such a concentration of them there. And it was very validating for me when we got that second dump to see that huge cluster in that region. And it's just it's just wild to me to think that. You know, the fish that Jogo and Terry and Jamie um, and and the other awesome guides that we use, Bryce, um, that those fish that they caught are like literally swimming under Cody and Mike Holiday and the rest of our guides' boats in Florida. And the, the coolest thing is, you know, one of the ways that I sold this you know, for for our board and executive committee to kind of put their shoulders into this was that it's one of the only candidates to connect our guide community from Martha's Vineyard to Key West. And damn, if it isn't the same fish, I was pretty, I felt pretty proud of myself, Ed, I got to admit. Um, Absolutely, as you should. So, uh, so, you know, now now we're filling in gaps in South Carolina, in southern Jersey. I saw a bunch off Virginia Beach, some off the Maryland coast, some off the Delaware coast. Um, and then boom, 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 off of Florida. Really excited for, you know, 10 months from now when we get the when we get the data dump with all our Albies with the new tags in them. Um, but would it what were the lessons that we learned from these 2023 fish that we tagged? You know, was there anything to build on? You got that. I saw, you know, I saw the gif and we'll share that as soon as we get the, we get the, okay. But I mean, 40,000 detections, man, that's, 
that's pretty incredible. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is kind of learning where these things are setting up throughout that coastal migration, the timing of it. You know, as you said, like there are testimonies from guides that they're fishing for these things at certain places and certain times of the year, but whether or not they're discrete, you know, subpopulations or whether or not they're those same fish that are traveling up and down from Massachusetts through Florida is another. Um, and so right now, even this map isn't completely filled out yet. As you said, you know, sometimes those people don't set, uh, push that send button uh, right on time. Sometimes field just field work just gets in the way. So, you know, we're humans too. Things come up. We may not have the data on time, but throughout the next data push or two, we could theoretically learn even more about these fish traveling up and down the coast because this past one, we got detections. We got more detections even back in 2022 that we didn't have from the last data dump. So this map is continually filling out. I'm really excited to learn more about uh, what the Albies are doing up through, you know, kind of that fall 2020 through time. Uh, and especially with this 2023 batch of tags, you know, whether or not they're going to stick around in Nantucket Sound once they return or if they continue to spread out more. Uh, what are they doing in North Carolina? Because that, uh, if you look at the map uh, that we made on our blog on the aquarium website, you know, there's a bunch of hits in North Carolina. And from this last data dump, uh, we saw that, you know, we didn't really get too many hits past April. If we happen to get more, is that mean that they're staying in North Carolina or more than traveling through to Florida? You know, I think there's so much more to explore, but just the timing and places they're setting up along the coast is for me, you know, one of the more interesting things about this project. Yeah. And again, you know, validating because what we're finding out with our research, and this is all supplemented by, you know, all of our guides up and down the coast who are putting spaghetti tags in the fish and we're getting, we're getting some returns on those as well. Um, and you know, the one, the one situation that really stands out to me is uh, Jogo from uh, Gorilla Tactic Sport Fishing tagged spaghetti tagged two albies that were like days apart in like late September, early October in, uh, in around Cape Cod. And those fish were recaptured a week apart, 10 miles apart around Jupiter. That just blows my mind. I mean, that's a little, that's pretty cool. You know, that's that you don't, you don't really expect that kind of stuff to happen. And, um, and then you get the telemetry data and it, they, they, they validate each other. And then furthermore, you know, we have a pretty robust guide community in Cape Cod, in North Carolina and in that area in Florida. And, you know, having that telemetry stuff and these fish are showing up exactly during each one of those areas respective, you know, let's call them high seasons Yep. for those fish. Um, it's all, it's all kind of starting to make a little bit of sense. So, um, so, you know, science never sleeps and we are unfortunately for my mental state, I'm already starting to think about what we're going to do in 2024. And when I say I think about it, I'm thinking about kind of the nuts and bolts of it. <clears throat> Y'all are thinking about the science side of it. So 
we know what happened now with those fish that y'all tagged. We got that awesome gif over 40,000, between 40 and 50,000 uh, hits in Nantucket Sound. We know that they skedaddled because y'all just got the last tags out by the skin of your teeth. So we know right now it's pretty exciting. They're swimming around the ocean. Big anticipation for, you know, that next data dump next December, and we can start putting that together. Big anticipation come, you know, September, August. Hopefully a lot of those fish that we tagged in 2023 will return to Nantucket Sound. And because y'all will own that array, we can get that information pretty fast. We don't have to rely on, you know, some coastwide data thing. But we're looking at some changes uh, in the process of the telemetry tagging in 2024. And I, you know, I, I concern myself with kind of the, the blue collar side of this project. And I just take the advice of Jeff and Ed in the New England Aquarium on the science side. So y'all came at me um, probably a month ago and offered up some suggestions that we're ultimately going to try to accomplish that are kind of change, you know, where we're doing things in 2024. You want to talk about that a little bit, Ed, and like why y'all made these decisions? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is potentially carrying out some tagging in North Carolina too. And there's going to be a lot of logistics and planning that goes into it first. But as I was saying, you know, if there we're getting a lot of hits in North Carolina, are those fish a different, you know, potentially subpopulation there versus the one we have up in Massachusetts? Because just because they come from Massachusetts and go through North Carolina and go through Florida doesn't mean that that's all part of the same population. Uh, if there's fish in North Carolina at the same time as in other states, you know, are they, is it because they're staying there? Are they passing through? We have so many different questions about, uh, you know, the timing of fish in these locations that I think it would be uh, really insightful to be able to tag a portion of fish, both in North Carolina and Massachusetts at the same time. Well, we're sure as heck going to try. Um, I think we found a, uh, we found a hundred foot crab shack um, on Airbnb that we're going to rent for y'all. Um, there is no plumbing, electric, air conditioning or heat, but Y'all are tough. You should be able to do okay. Down. I'm just kidding, Ed. Y'all should see the look I'm getting on video. I'm just joking, Ed. Um, so, you know. I came from the Gulf of Mexico, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used um, to it. Crab shacks right. and heat and all. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure I'm sure our North Carolina guides will greet y'all with, uh, with open arms and the same incredible level of uh level of professionalism that y'all have embraced um with our cape cod folks so i i guess from our perspective the guides association we do not want to stop um tagging in nantucket sound um you know there's just i think there's so much more to be learned I think there's so much support. The community's embraced it. And I hate walking away from, you know, the place where it all started. That said, you know, well, I guess we're just looking at this as an expansion of the project. 
where, uh, you know, we can start deploying tags in North Carolina as well, partner with, you know, whoever down there um, with, with New England Aquarium being in the lead and, and try to get, try to get as many tags as are needed out there. Um, I will say that, man, the weather can get rough as a cob down there and, 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 uh, and I'm sure you're used to that in Cape Cod, but whew, they don't call it the graveyard of the Atlantic for nothing. Um, man, you know, no October and November are not for the faint of heart off North Carolina, but whatever. I'm still the only person I think in the association that's never been on a tagging trip. So, uh, watch i'll end up going on one in north carolina and it'll be like a gale warning just watch well um, as a side note tony i think some of our better trips in the two seasons past have been on those absolutely god-awful terrible days so if you bring bad weather with you i will personally welcome it even if most of the people on the boat may not i will i'll give you a piece of advice and take this to the grave if we ever get involved in marlin tagging don't have me within a country mile of the boat because there's, <laughs> there's, there's some cosmic bad juju with me and Bill fish. And I don't, I don't know what it is. And, uh, anytime I'm asked to go on one of those things or I just warn people and I'm like, you don't, you don't want to ask me. Like I, I've literally been everywhere in the world where you should catch a giant billfish from, you know, uh, the Gold Coast of Australia, Hawaii, uh, you name it. Cabo. Cabo. I can catch a billfish in Cabo, man. 20 years ago when you couldn't beat them, couldn't beat striped marlin off with a stick. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't think God wants me to catch a billfish. And at 50, almost 52, I'm okay with that at this point in my life because i have beaten myself ragged uh so yeah albies i should be okay i don't have like such a, a tattered horrible history but if you ever tag billfish do not tell me about it or invite me because you may die um, well i th i think we're in the same boat as albies i think you'll be good luck because i'm also terrible luck with marlin with some of the other things we've been trying to tag <laughs> oh, specifically man. white marlin are my white whale and that's i'll, I'll your, pretty much that's that's my white whale white marlin i kind of leave it at that before we get off into another rabbit hole yeah but um you if we're anything know, alike <laughs> i know a guy ed I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not allowed to say anything else but we can we can talk off uh we can talk offline but i i know a guy um yeah so I think I know who you're talking about. Too, I told him yeah, not well, to invite me to, <laughs> I was like, don't even don't, don't do it. Like you have, you have a great reputation. Don't, don't tarnish yourself. Um, so I don't know, man, just a, you know, an incredible, incredibly positive experience with you and the new England aquarium and just this whole project has just been full of really good surprises. Um, I don't think I don't think the data could have worked out any better. I don't think the partnership from the guides association and the aquarium could have worked out any better. 
we work well with y'all. Y'all work well with us. Super exciting stuff. And it's one of those situations where the more that we learn, yes, we're answering questions a hundred percent and we're validating a lot of the stuff that we thought was true, but couldn't, you know, couldn't prove we're at the beginning stages of proving that. But I think we also realize that there's a heck of a lot of more questions we had today than when we started. And that's really, that's that's the cool part about it. Right. Yep. That's science in a nutshell is that the more answers you get to questions, the more doors that they lead to that need opening, especially with something like Albies where, I mean, so many people fish for these things. There's a huge economic return on them, but we know so little about them. And so it's kind of like discovering a new species pretty much, except that that species has been known for, you know, hundreds of years now. But again, we know so little about them that it's it's like rediscovering it all over again. And I'm really excited to to learn more about them, their movements, survival, all the other habits that they have that could potentially lead to management of the species in the future. A hundred percent, Ed. I think one of the things that, you know, management is the policy side of it is is why we're doing well, we're doing it because our guides can't afford to lose another fish. I mean, things are not great out there. Uh but in order, you know, in order for us to accomplish that goal, there needs to be, there needs to be some regulatory movement on Albies, uh, some policy work. And obviously we're doing the science work. One of the things that I'm a little bit excited about is, you know, uh, they did, obviously there were some big false albacore caught in Martha's Vineyard this year. Um, you know, there were, there were fish that were, I think, 30 inches at the fork recorded, which is a, a giant fish for that area. But our guides in North Carolina, yeah, average, average fish is probably what, Ed, you know, four to seven pounds. And here in Nantucket Sound, I would yeah. say the average we got was 22 to 23 inches. And then our biggest one, I want to say was probably 28, 29 inches, if not 30. Yeah. We, there were, there were some big fish tagged early in the season for us and sure. then sporadically throughout the rest of the season. But yeah. yeah, on average, 22, 23 inches. Yeah. I mean, our guides, you know, North Carolina and Florida, man, they catch some big old albies. Yeah. And I would love to put some telemetry tags in the, in the real, you know, the 34, 35 inch at the fork albies. Yeah. Um, because y'all don't see, a lot of them, you know, not a lot of people are catching them in Nantucket Sound. So I'd, I'd love to learn, you know, does their, when they get that size, does their behavior change a little bit? You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, that's, that's just one of those, hey, okay, we know this. Now I want to know that. That's the next question kind of thing. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm real happy that we met under these circumstances. I super appreciate you being on this podcast um, because I don't feel comfortable talking about all this stuff. Uh, And, you know, obviously we're going to have you on here lickety split again as more information comes out. Um, You know, we are chomping at the bit uh, to share this with our followers, listeners, members, 
but just my messages for all y'all just be a little patient we do not want to we are not the type of association to run out and make wild claims about science uh that is is not definitive yet you know we're still we're still performing the science and gathering the data so as as new england aquarium and added and jeff get this information they have to process it synthesize it analyze it we have many conversations and then we hop on a podcast and we share what we're comfortable we share the data to the level that we're comfortable i will say that there is a ton of more exciting stuff that we will hopefully be able to talk about in the upcoming months uh, Albies are one heck of a cool fish and what we are learning is you know, just blo it absolutely blows my mind um and i'll tell you what one thing the one thing if i had to distill it down to one thing these fish are badass and they deserve a bare minimum level of conservation um they are crazy interesting they do things that we expect things that we didn't expect uh and they are i mean man they are fast and they like to travel and we just can't wait to learn more stuff in the upcoming months and year and uh we're just gonna keep at it like we always do ed at some point yep. at some point we'll get these things protected for future generations and that's a pretty cool feather to put in your cap buddy absolutely it's a it's gonna be a long winter so a lot of it's gonna yeah. be spent at the desk trying to figure out what else these things do you know yeah man we look forward to it get to work for god's sakes all right any good money man um well thank all y'all for listening ed once again thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk to me for a little bit my um, pleasure and if y'all have any questions about the Albi project you know you can always hop on our social media direct message us um, you could send us emails, comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. Uh, if we can't answer them, we'll funnel them to the team at New England Aquarium. We are fired up about 2024. This will be the third year of this awesome partnership. Uh, science, education, advocacy. That's what it's all about. The three legs of the stool. Ed, enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. And thank you for hopping on here with us. Yep, no problem. And take care, Tony. Thank you, bud.